0: Legacy. Chapter 4. Dwarven Toy. Drizd slipped down a quiet passageway, the clamor of the wild battle lost behind him. The drow was not worried, for he knew that his shadow, his Gwenhyver, was padding along silently not too far behind. Of more concern to Drizd was Regis, still stubbornly close to his back. Fortunately, The halfling moved as silent as the drow, keeping equally well to the shadows, and did not seem to be a liability to Drizzt. The need for silence was the only thing that kept Drizzt from questioning the halfling then and there. For if they stumbled on a number of goblins, Drizzt did not know how Regis, who was not skilled in battle, would keep out of harm's way. Ahead, the black panther paused and looked back at Drizzt. The cat, darker than the darkness, then slipped through an opening and moved to the side into a chamber. Beyond the opening, Drizzt heard the unmistakable snarling voices of goblins. Drizzt looked back to Regis, to the red dots that showed the halfling's heat-sensing infravision. Halflings, too, could see in the dark, but not nearly as well as drow or goblins. Drizzt held up one hand and motioned for Regis to wait in the corridor, then slipped ahead to the entrance. The goblins, at least six or seven, were huddled near the center of the small chamber, milling about many natural tooth-like pillars. To the right. Along the wall, Drizzt sensed a slight movement and knew it was Gwenhyver, patiently waiting for him to make the first move. How wondrous a fighting companion that panther was, Drizzt reminded himself. Always, Gwenhyver let Drizzt determine the course of battle, then discerned the best way to fit in. The drow ranger moved to the nearest stalagmite, belly crawled to another, and rolled beyond yet another, even closer to his prey. He made out nine goblins now, apparently discussing their best course of action. They had no guard posted, had no clue that danger was near. One rolled around to put its back against a stalagmite, separated from the others by a mere five feet. A scimitar sliced up through its belly, into its lungs before it could utter a sound. Eight remained. Drizzt eased the corpse to the ground and took its place, putting his back to the stone. A moment later, one of the goblins called to him, thinking he was the dead goblin. Driz grunted in reply. A hand reached around to pat his shoulder, and the drow couldn't hide his smile. The goblin tapped him once, then again, more slowly. Then the thing began feeling around the drow's thick cloak, apparently noticing Driz's taller stature. A curious expression on its ugly face, the goblin peeked around the mound. Then there were seven, and Driz leaped out into their midst, scimitars flashing, a flurry that took the two nearest goblins down in the blink of an eye. The remaining five shrieked and ran about, some colliding with stalagmites, others slapping and falling all over each other. A goblin came straight for Drizzt, its mouth flapping a steady stream of undiscernible words, and its hand held wide, as though in a gesture of friendship. Apparently, the evil creature only then recognized this dark elf was no potential comrade, for it began to frantically back away. Drizzt's scimitars crossed in a downward slash, drawing an X of hot blood on the creature's chest. Gwen streaked beside the drow and attacked a goblin fleeing toward the far side of the cavern. With a single swipe of the panther's huge claw, the count was down to three. Finally, two goblins regained their senses enough to come at the drow in a coordinated fashion, weapons drawn. One launched its club in a roundhouse swing, but Drizzt slapped the weapon wide before it ever got close. His scimitar, the same he had used to deflect the blow, darted left, then right, left and right, and a third time, leaving the stunned creature with six mortal wounds. It stared dumbfounded as it fell backward to the floor. All the while, Drizzt's second scimitar easily parried the other goblins' many desperate attacks. When the drow turned to face this creature fully, it knew it was doomed. It hurled its short-sword at Drizzt, again with little effect, and darted behind the nearest stone pillar. The last of the confused creatures crossed behind it, startling the drow and securing the other's escape. Drizzt cursed the goblin's apparent luck. He wanted none to get away, but these two were, either wisely or fortunately, fleeing in opposite directions. A split second later, though, the drow heard a resounding crack from behind the pillar, and the goblin that had thrown its short sword toppled back out from behind the pillar, its skull shattered. Regis, holding his little mace, peeked around the pillar and shrugged. Drizzt was at a loss and simply returned the stare, they spun about to pursue the remaining goblin, which was fast weaving its way around the cavern teeth toward a corridor at the chamber's far end. The drow, faster and more agile, gained steadily. He noticed Gwenhyber, the panther's maw glowing hot with the blood of a fresh kill, lopping along a parallel course and gaining on the goblin with every long stride. Drizzt was confident then that the creature had no chance of escape. At the corridor's entrance, the goblin jolted to a stop. Drizzt skidded aside, as did Gwenhyver, both diving for the cover of pillars, as a series of snapping and sparking explosions ignited all about the goblin's body. It shrieked and jerked wildly this way and that, pieces of its clothing and its flesh blew away. The continuing explosions held the goblin up long after it was dead. Finally, they ended, and the creature fell to the floor, trailing thin lines of smoke from several different blasted wounds. Drizzt and Gwenhyver held steady, perfectly silent not knowing what new monster had arrived. The chamber lit up suddenly with a magical light. Drizzt, fighting hard to bring his eyes into focus, clutched his scimitars tightly. "'Oh, dead?' he heard a familiar dwarven voice say. He blinked his eyes open just in time to see the cleric Cobble enter the room, one hand in a large bell pouch, the other holding a shield up before him. Several soldiers came in behind, one of them muttering, "'Damn good spell, priest!' Cobble moved to inspect the shattered body, then nodded his agreement. Drizzt slipped out from behind the mound. The surprised cleric's hand came whipping out, launching a score of small objects—pebbles—at the drow. Gwenhyver growled, Drizzt dove, and the pebbles hit the rock where he had been standing, initiating another burst of small explosions. Drizzt! Cobble cried, realizing his mistake. Drizzt! He rushed to the drow, who was looking back to the many scorched marks on the floor. Are you all right, dear Drizzt? Cobble cried. Damn good spell, priest, Drizzt replied in his best imitation dwarf voice, his smile wide and admiring. Cobble clapped him hard on the back, nearly knocking him over. I like that one too, he said, showing Drizzt that he had a pouch full of bomb-like pebbles. You want to carry some? I do, replied Regis, coming around the stalagmite closer to the tunnel entrance than Drizzt had been. Drizzt blinked his lavender orbs in amazement at the halfling's prowess. Another force of goblins, more than a hundred strong, had been positioned in corridors to the right of the main chamber to come in at the flank after the fighting had begun. With the trap's failure and Brunner's ensuing charge, led by the horrible silver-streaking arrows, the Etten's force's miserable failure and Dagna's dwarven troops' subsequent arrival, even the stupid goblins had been wise enough to turn the other way, and run. Dwarveses! One of the front-running goblins cried out, and the others soon echoed him in calls that shifted from terror to hunger when the creatures came to believe that they'd stumbled on a small band of the bearded folk, perhaps a scouting party. Whatever the case, these dwarves apparently had no intentions of stopping to fight, and the chase was on. A few twists and turns put the fleeing dwarves and the goblins near a wide, smoothly worked torchlit tunnel, one that had been cut by the dwarves of Mithril Hall several hundred years before. For the first time since that long-ago day, the dwarves were there again, waiting. Powerful dwarven hands eased great discs onto a wooden beam, one after another until the whole resembled a solid cylindrical wheel as tall as a dwarf and nearly as wide as the worked corridor, weighing well over a tonne. Completing the structure's main frame were a few well-placed pegs, a wrapping of sheet metal with sharp, nasty ridges hammered into it, and two notched handles that ran from the wheel's side to behind the contraption, where the dwarves could man them and push the thing along. A cloth with the full-sized likeness of charging dwarves painted on it hung out in the front as a finishing touch that would keep the goblins in line until it was too late to retreat. Here they come, one of the forward scouts reported, returning to the main battle group. They'll turn the corner in a few minutes. Are the baiters ready? Asked the dwarf in charge of the toy brigade. The other dwarf nodded and the haulers took up the poles, setting their hands firmly behind the appropriate notches. Four soldiers got out in front of the contraption, ready for their wild run, while the rest of the hundred dwarf contingent fell into lines behind the haulers. The cubbies are a hundred feet down. The boss dwarf reminded the lead soldiers. Don't miss your mark. Once we get the thing a-rolling, we're not likely to be stopping it. Feigned cries of fear came from the fleeing dwarves at the other end of the long corridor, followed by the whooping of the pursuing goblins. The boss dwarf shook his bearded face. It was so easy to bait goblins. Just let them believe that they had the upper hand, and on they'd come. The lead soldiers began a slow trot. The haulers behind them took up an easy pace, and the army plodding along behind the thunder of a slow rolling wheel. Another series of shouts sounded, and mixed in was the unmistakable cry of, Now! The lead soldiers roared and broke into a run. The massive toy came right behind, pumping dwarven legs, setting the devilish wheel into a great roll. Above the thunder, the dwarves began their growling song. Tunnels too tight, tunnels too low. Better run, goblin, cause here we go! Their charge sounded like an avalanche, rumbling undertones to the goblins' cries. The baiters waved to their approaching kin, then stopped beside the cubbies and turned to hurl insults at their goblin pursuers. The boss dwarf smiled grimly at the knowledge that he, that the toy, would pass the small alcoves, the only safe places in front of the contraption, a split second before the goblin hosts arrived there, just as the dwarves had planned. With no way to turn back, thinking that they had encountered a simple dwarven expedition, the long lines of goblins hooted their battle cries and continued their charge. The leading dwarven soldiers joined the baiters. Together they dove aside into the alcoves, and the toy rumbled by, its disguising canopy making the front goblins slow their pace and wonder. Howls of terror replaced battle cries and echoed down the goblin line. The closest goblin bravely hacked at the bouncing dwarven image, taking the painted canopy down and revealing its disaster an instant before the creature was squashed. The fearsome dwarves called their war toy the Juicer, and the puddle of goblin fluid that came out the backside of the crushing wheel showed it was a fitting title. "'Sing me, dwarves,' commanded the boss, and they took their chant to the great crescendos, their rumbling voices echoing above the goblin house. "'Every bump's a goblin head, pools of blood from goblin dead,' Run, good dwarves! Push that toy! Squish the little goblin boys! The brutal contraption bounced and bumped. The haulers stumbled on goblin piles. But if any dwarf fell away, a dozen more were ready to take up his part on the pole, powerful legs pumping feverishly. The army behind the contraption began to stretch out, dwarves stopping to finish off those broken goblins that still squirmed. The main host stayed close to the bouncing contraption, though, for as it came farther along the tunnel, it began to pass side tunnels. Predetermined brigades of dwarven soldiers turned down these right behind the passing toy, slaughtering any goblins still in the area. TIGHT TURN! The boss dwarf yelled, and sparks flew from the side of the steel-covered outer stone wheels as they screeched along. The dwarves had counted on this region to stop the rolling monstrosity. It didn't, and around the bend loomed the end of the corridor, a dozen goblins scratching at the unyielding stone, trying to find escape. "'Let it go!' cried the boss, and the wild rushing dwarves did, falling over each other as they continued to bounce along. With a tremendous explosion that shook the bedrock, the juicer collided with the wall. It wasn't hard for the cheering dwarves to figure out what had happened to the unfortunate creatures caught in between. "'Oh, good work!' The boss dwarf said to his charges as he looked back around the bend to see the long line of crushed goblins. The dwarven soldiers were still battling, but now they badly outnumbered their enemies, for more than half the goblin force had been squashed. Good work, the boss reiterated heartily, and by a goblin-hating dwarf's estimation, it certainly was. Back in the main chamber, Bruner and Dagna exchanged victorious and wet hugs, "'sharing the blood of their enemies, as the brutal dwarves called it. "'A few dwarves had been killed and many others lay wounded, "'but neither of the leaders had dared to hope that the rout would be so complete. "'What do you think of that, me girl?' "'Bruner asked Catterbury when she came over to join him, "'her longbow comfortably over one shoulder. "'We did as we had to do,' the woman replied. "'And the goblins were, as expected, a treacherous bunch. "'But I'll not back down on me words.' We did right in trying to talk first. Dagnus spat on the floor, but Brunner, the wiser of the two, nodded his agreement with his daughter. Tempus! They heard Wolfgar cry in victory, and the barbarian, spotting the group, began bounding over to them, his mighty warhammer held high above his head. I'm still for thinking that you're all taking a bit too much pleasure in it all, Caterbury remarked to Brunner. Apparently not wanting to talk with Wolfgar, she moved away, Back to help the wounded, bah! Bruner snorted behind her. Sure, you set your own bow to some sweet singing. Catterby brushed her auburn locks out of her face and did not look back. She didn't want Bruner to see her smile. The Juicer Brigade entered the main chamber a half hour later, reporting the right flank clear of goblins. Only a few minutes after them, Drizzt, Regis, and Gwenhyver came in. The Drow telling Bruner that Cobble's forces were finishing up in the corridors to the left and the rear. "'Did you get a few for yourself?' the dwarf asked. "'After the ends, I mean.' Drizzt nodded. "'I did,' he replied. "'As did Gwynhyber. "'And Regis.' Both Drizzt and the dwarf turned curious eyes on the halfling, who stood easily, his bloodied mace in hand. Noticing the looks, Regis slipped the weapon behind his back as though he were embarrassed. "'I did not even expect you to come, Rumblebelly!' Bruner said to him. I thought you'd be staying up, helping yourself to more food while the rest of us did all the fighting. Regis shrugged. I figured that the safest place in all the world would be beside Drizd, he explained. Bruner wasn't about to argue with that logic. We can set to digging in a few ten days, he explained to his ranger friend. After some expeditionary miners come through and make the place safe. By this point, Drizzt was hardly listening to him. He was more interested in the fact that Caterbury and Wolfgar, moving about the ranks of wounded, obviously were avoiding each other. "'It's the boy,' Brunner told him, noticing his interest. "'He did not think a woman should be at the battle,' Drizzt replied. "'Bah!' snorted the red-bearded dwarf. "'She's a fine fighter as we've got. Besides, five dozen dwarf women came along, and two of them even got killed!' Drizd's face twisted with surprise as he regarded the dwarven king. He shook his white shock of hair helplessly and started away to join Catterbury, but stopped and looked back after only a few steps, shaking his head yet again. Five dozen of 'em, Brunner reiterated into his doubting expression. Dwarf women, I tell you, my friend. Drizd answered, moving off once more. I never could tell the difference. Cobble's forces joined the other dwarves two hours later, reporting the rear areas clear of enemies. The route was complete, as far as Bruner and his commanders could discern, with not a single enemy left alive. None of the dwarven forces had noticed the slender, dark forms—dark elves, Jarlaxle's spies—floating among the stalactites near critical areas of battle, watching the dwarven movements and battle techniques with more than passing interest. The goblin threat was ended— But that was the least of Bruner Battlehammer's problems.